and JHD Millville Atlantic City. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Adam Kaplan, powered by InsideTheBirds.com. I think we have the ability to do something really special uh, with this group, but it's going to take a lot of hard work. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. All right, Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Make sure you check out the latest edition with Jeff Mosher and Adam Kaplan. Adam is with us today on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline on today's edition of Football at Four with NFL insider Adam Kaplan from Inside the Birds podcast. And he joins us now on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. A lot going on, Adam. How are you, pal? Always good to talk to you. Yeah, it's uh, been a very interesting week. We... we you know, we had the franchise tag deadline. A couple deals got done. Not a lot. Um, that was kind of the expectation I had. But we got some of those deals done. Some deals did not get done. Uh, obviously, namely Dak Prescott. We've got a bizarre story that's coming out of Washington. We're not sure what it means yet. Uh, we may. I know you want to probably discuss that. And we got uh, Jadevin Clowney rumors, Yannick Ngakwe rumors. Moshe and I dropped a pod this morning, and I, you know, we 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 covered a lot of that stuff. So, and the Jason Peters story, which. Not exactly the way we thought it would end. It was that he would come back, but not, he's not going to play the position we thought. So, yeah, Mike, it's been a crazy week. It really is. Let's start with Peters then because that really started this week off. I mean, he signed, and you're right. It was like, okay, I'm not surprised that he signed, but the Eagles took all the mystery out of it right from the get-go. When they tweeted out that he was back, they said that they have signed guard Jason <laughs> Peters. They didn't even hide it. It wasn't like a competition their intention is to play him at guard. Which guard spot, uh, Adam, is Jason Peters going to play? Well, yeah, he's obviously going to play the Brandon Brooks right guard spot. Um, yeah, as a matter of fact, when they tweeted out, they, I thought, you know, just think about it. Well, if you if you want to leave him with a chance to play left tackle, you'd say guard slash tackle. They didn't say that. Uh, he's going to be their, their, their right guard. Uh, decision's been made already. He's going to take over for Brandon Brooks. And it means that Matt Pryor uh, will obviously be his backup. We can also certainly talk about uh, some of the issues they have with depth. But they now have two starters, new starters on the offensive line. Andrew Dillard now will definitely be the left tackle. That was certainly a question this offseason. They're talking to the Eagles. Uh, we definitely put this on our show the last couple of months. They really wanted Dillard to be their starter, but they did leave it to they did leave it up to chance that Peters might come back. And then you know they they come out with this that he's Peters is going to play right guard, which is a position he's never played before. With no offseason, Mike, that, that to me is the question, how he's going to be able to pull this off. Yeah, and I know Trey Thomas has been on both your podcast and our show and said, look, you just can't imagine a guy and mix and match and turn him over to a right guard and think he's going to do it. He's like, different stance, and you know, there's a lot that goes into play. They make a lot of different calls. So there is a possibility that Peters you know, isn't uh, you know, a, a good to great right guard. Let's not just imagine, hey, Jason Peters is going to come in, and all of a sudden you're getting a Brandon Brooks-level player in there. Yeah, the way he's explained to me is that the footwork is different. It's just, first of all, you don't have, when you're playing left tackle, you obviously don't have anyone playing to your left. You only play, you have someone playing to your right. Whereas now you're playing inside, you've got a center and you've got the right tackle, Lane Johnson. Uh, th- those two guys are next to you. So on both sides, it's just a different mindset. And when you've played the same position for 17 years without any practice time uh, in the offseason, by the way, he, since he was on Sunny, he was not even in their virtual program. He's going to get four to five weeks of training camp. Training camp's going to be a little bit longer because there's probably not going to be a preseason. But the fact of the matter is he's just not going to have a lot of time. It's something that Moshe and I really discuss, and it's really important to note. Uh, from the Eagles' standpoint, Peters does not practice very much at training camp because they just want to make sure he gets to the regular season okay. 
Uh, he takes maybe a third of the reps. Well, this year, might, for the first time in his career with the Eagles, he might actually have to take a lot of reps. I don't think they have a choice at this point. At age 38, do you sense the size of the defensive tackles will give him trouble compared to the DNs that he's been going up against? Yeah, this is a different deal. So this is part of our discussion on, on our show is that inside the birds that, you know, the, the, the body types that you know, Jeff brought up a great point. He was talking about, you know, Fletcher Cox, just to talk from an Eagle standpoint, they're going to go up against guards who are, you know, 315, 310. Whereas when you're playing left tackle, you, you, the guys you're going to go up as, at defensive end are generally going to be from 250 to 275. So this is, this is more of a power, but guard has always been a power position. You're not, you typically don't find great athletes at guard. Typically the athletes are at left tackle and some, sometimes at right tackle like Lane Johnson. So this is also, Hunter, yeah, you're right. This is another challenge for, for, from a mental standpoint. It's the hand usage. It's the power position. How are you going to get off the ball? It's just different. The steps are different. You're, you're not stepping the same way. It's, it, it, it does not take advantage of the athleticism that he's always had. Now, Hunter, I do want to make this clear. One thing about Peters last season, it was very clear from talking to people who graded his tape last season, he was on the ground more than we're used to. That means that you, you, it generally means you got pushed to the ground a little bit more than they would than you would normally see from this player. But I think his reflexes clearly are not what they once were, once were. And now we're going to find out, Hunter, very, very soon where he's at physically. Yeah, and then I guess um, the the positive here, Adam Kaplan, Inside the Birds podcast with us, is, hey, look, they put him at right guard. If Dillard falters, they can move him back to left tackle. They have Pryor, who now can be the Vitae, and that gives him a little bit more depth because now what does your offensive line look like, and, and, and what's the depth of this line adding Peters here? Yeah, so here's kind of the way we see the game plan. So if Peters does not work out or he gets hurt, I was obviously they have Matt Pryor come in and play right guard, but I they will not take Dillard out of the, the the game or bench him unless he's not playing well. So Peters, who will make a minimum of three million, his his agent confirmed that uh, he'll make three million bucks a season, fully guaranteed. He can make up to six million. When you really look at the situation, they're not going into it thinking Peters won't work, but it, if he doesn't play well. It's prior, but they're not going to just bench Dillard because Peters isn't playing well. They're not going to do that. So, uh, but the big here's the big issue: they have a bunch of backup young players who they really like. There's only one backup of the 12 players they have right now who are on their roster as backups who have ever started a game. There's only one guy. It's Matt Pryor who only started one game, and he's only played in two. And that to me is a little bit of a concern. They don't have, and they really don't have any experience behind these five starters. Yep. Uh, now, what do you think of, you know, in the years past, I mean, the Eagles line has been a strength of this team, and uh, yep. they have been a team that has uh, had uh, arguably one of the top two, three, four, five lines in football. Uh, where do you see a line with Dillard, uh, Isaac Sayamala, Jason Kelsey, Jason Peters playing a new position, Lane Johnson, still strength of the team? I don't know. See, it's interesting. You, you've got three players, Kelsey, Brooks, well, Brooks, excuse me, Kelsey Peters and Lane Johnson were at least 30 years old. Uh, and yeah, obviously, they're, they're, Kelsey is still terrific, but he's getting you know, near the end of his career. Lane Johnson is now 30. Uh, Peters is 38. So you're, you're, you've got to be concerned about the age there. And obviously, they're very young at left guard and left tackle. I don't think this is one of their best lines. Uh, obviously, we don't. Dillard did not play particularly well last season when he, when he played. He flashed, but he was not consistent enough, and he also was on the ground a little bit more than you'd like. 
I would say, Mike, to answer your question, it's not – you can't say it's the strength of – it's not a weakness, but I don't know this is a top-five line anymore because we just don't know about Dillard, and we don't know if Brooks could get – excuse me, if, if Peters could get the job in place of Brooks. If he does struggle at right guard, do you think Jason Peters, Peters will be okay being the new swing tackle if Pryor steps in? Like, do you think the organization had this conversation with him prior? Like, hey, if this doesn't work, you will now be the swing tackle. Well, they're not going to. They're not going to go, and I highly doubt they would have had that talk because you're not going into to it thinking it's not going to work. But here's another. Here's another issue. You talked about the swing tackle. Well, Matt Pryor could play tackle and guard, but remember he he practiced and played at guard last season. Jordan Mailata's never played in a regular season NFL game. He's healthy, as we reported on Inside the Birds uh, last December. Uh, Mailata went up not having surgery for his back. He's healthy. He can play right tackle. He can play left tackle. He's really not a guard. You really want him to play tackle, but he's never played in a regular season game, and he did not have an off season, which I think was really important for him. So, Hunter, right now, I don't know who their swing tackle would be. I guess it would be Pryor. Yeah. But asking Peters to play right tackle to me is another one you're not going to want to do. Uh, how much, Adam, before we move on here uh, on Peters, how much was the deal that they got him at, the contract, how much did that play in them saying, let's do this, that he was able, that they were able to get him in? Because I, I was surprised that, you know, I think it's up to $6 million, but like $3 million, yeah. $3 million. How much did that kind of clinch it for him to do this deal? Well, here's the difference. Um, the, the deals that he was looking at were mostly for backup money. Or starter money, which was not very high, but with more upside than the Eagles gave him. That's based on what I've heard. He's got a better chance. First of all, he gets he gets a chance to to get a Super Bowl. Uh, the thing that remember, Jason did get a Super Bowl ring, but uh, he was he was hurt that year. Big V f- filled in for him, so this gives him a chance to be a starter once again and may potentially get to the Super Bowl as a starter, which he was not able to do in 2017. And th- th- this story is just interesting. I, I never thought, you know, I've, it's funny. I've asked the Mike, I, I haven't talked about this much, but I've asked about Dealer, excuse me, Peters playing guard over the years, and they kind of dismissed it. So it's just interesting. I, I, I've, I've asked three people. No one seems to know whose idea it was. Obviously, the one thing I do know, Jeff Dallin, ha- he has to say yes to this. Whether it's his idea or not, the buck stops with him. He's their offensive line coach. So if he thinks – Peters can do it. It's a pretty good bet that he's going to play fairly well. All right. Uh, Adam Kaplan, Inside the Birds podcast. Check out their new podcast where they go a little deeper uh, on bringing Peters back, some of the challenges, uh, switching positions, and the thinking behind that. Let's go to uh, Clowney. Last week, John Clayton on our show brought up something uh, that really people like, they kind of took out of context, but I'll see what you think as well. I mean, he essentially said, yeah, I mean, he would be interested in Philly because that's a team that's winning uh, in response to basically saying teams that are not so good have been making him offers. So him turning down Cleveland and Miami, and if Philly was to be interested, sure, he'd be interested in them because that's, in his mind, a winning team. So is there more from Clowney's side, would they have interest in Philly? Does Philly have interest in there? How do you see uh, what's realistic with him? Yeah, so we reported um, here's here's kind of where we're at with this thing. So the Eagles have interest in Clowney. What happened in, in mid-May when we reported it uh, on our show first is that the Eagles were not interested in that time because they just were not looking to pay 19, 20, 21 million bucks a season for a guy who's coming off of yet another surgery. Uh, we don't know exactly. I, I've looked into this. I can't tell you exactly how much uh, Clowney would be willing to sign for. It's not going to be nine, eight, ten million. He's not there yet. 
Uh, I know the Eagles are a bunch of teams, or one of a bunch of teams I spoke with feel that he's not really moved off of his high number. We don't know what the exact number is. We know it's in the high teens. Uh, he started off in, he started off wanting in mid March over twenty uh, over twenty million. Uh, we believe it's lower than that, but we don't know exact number. But the Eagles would not offer him any, anywhere close to that number uh, right now. And but they would love to have him. Trust me on that. They they've interest in him. Uh, just two months ago, it was a non-starter to pay him twenty million bucks a season. They're they're just not go, they're they're not going there with an injured player, a guy who's had a lot of surgeries, had knee problems, coming off the muscle core surgery, coming off that muscle core surgery. They're doing well with it, by the way. But uh, he is twenty-seven. He turned twenty-seven earlier this year. But they're just not Mike. They're not going to go there with a high number. They do remain interested. I know they're monitoring the situation. So are a bunch of teams. Now I, I could tell you this: if he lowers his asking price to the low teens. He's going to have easily six dozen teams, including the Eagles, involved. Do you think a defensive end addition is needed for this team? Could this team be effective enough to win the division with the current position where it's at? Yeah, Hunter, it's interesting. So on our show, uh, Inside the Birds, which dropped today, uh, I'll give you a little bit of a, a Cliff Notes version of the defensive end discussion. So I, I asked Jeff, I said, is this is there interest in Clowney or potentially in Gakwe, uh, the Jaguars defensive end who, who will not sign his franchise tender? With the team, I'm told, it's not going to happen. He will not play for them. He's decided that. You know, it, their interest in these players, does that suggest they're not happy enough with Derek Barnett? Well, what I, what I believe is they're looking for an upgrade, potentially, if that upgrade's available. That's where it's, it's just a rare situation where a guy like Clowney's involved, I mean, available in, in mid-July. Like, who saw that coming? Mm-hmm. And, and Gakwe's made it very clear. He's not playing there. He just will not play there. I've talked to people close to him. He wants out. He, by the way, he's willing to play on his franchise tender this year. Not well now, he can't extend his contract, but he's willing to go to a team and just play on it and sign it and just play. But uh, it, I don't. I look at it this way: Derek Barnett's salary, which is over ten million next season, guys, he better he has to play well, or the Eagles will not bring him back next year. That's just the way I see it. His, his that base salary becomes fully guaranteed in March of, of next year. So for them to for him to be on the roster to get that money, he's going to have to play very well. Let me ask you about Barnett real fast. How do you think the Eagles? I mean, we looked at his snap counts. He had sixty nine percent this year, uh, last year, um, like forty one and twenty something. I mean, he's been hurt. He's been in and out of the lineup. He was a part time player. How do they evaluate him? They think just based on what I've heard, they they think he's a little bit inconsistent. They want more out of him because if you remember. Harry Roseman and Joe Douglas, who was then obviously the personnel director for the Eagles when he was drafted, they, I mean, they both loved him. And, you know, he, he, he outsacked, uh, Reggie White at Tennessee. You know, he was 20 years old when they drafted him. He's a young guy. The thing about Barnett is, doesn't have very long arms. He's not real big physically. He just turned 24, so he's a relatively young player. He, he had a couple of, you know, over the years, he had some bad personnel, personal fouls. You know, which cost them some yardage, but he's a, he's a pretty good kid. He's mm-hmm. just not been good enough for, for a 14th player taken overall in 17. Mike, he's just not gotten to where they thought he would be. Year four is pivotal for him, and you're right about the injury history. It's been there. He's had the shoulder surgery. He's had other issues, but with with injuries, it's been 18. Uh, uh, he, he's spent part of uh, 18 on injury reserve. He just got to get to where they thought he would be. But we're in year four now. This is this is the year where he's got to break out. Is Vinny Curry still in play for depth? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Moshe reported that, Hunter. Uh, yeah, Jeff just talked to him the last couple weeks about it. He said he's still definitely in play. He, Jeff also said that he's got some other teams involved. I don't know who those teams are, but uh, here's the thing, though. 
if you're Vinnie Curry, you better get that deal done with the Eagles if they want you and you want to be back because, look, it's not a secret. The Eagles have had their eyes on other defensive ends. Now, one thing I do want to mention, if they if they bring Curry back, though, they still want to look at Jannard Avery, who they acquired giving up a fourth-round pick last year. They got him from Cleveland at the trade deadline. They're super intrigued with him, but he's another one of these guys who did not have an offseason. So all the moves, that they, all the changes they want to make on defense, I don't know how many of that is going to be implemented because you're not having an offseason. Adam Kaplan, uh, check out the Inside the Birds podcast dropped today. Um, all right, I want to go to, uh, after saying it was no fans this year, the city of Philadelphia backtracked and kind of clarified. <laughs> now, I know we have talked about in this segment football at four with you, Adam, about the competitive balance. It seems that the yep. NFL is throwing that out the window here, potentially. Well, they haven't yet. Now, what they actually are saying is they want to make, they want to see as we get, once we get into August, what are the COVID numbers? How safe is it? And then they're going to have to make a decision. I strongly believe that we will not have fans this year. The only thing they will acknowledge anywhere is it, right? It, that, that's just my opinion. No one's telling me that. But let me just explain something. The league is already acknowledged. Teams are already telling fans, you could get a credit and not go this season. They're doing that because they know the chances are that, at, a, at the very least, there will only be a limited amount of fans. But this is what we know. Whatever number you want to use, 14,000, 10,000, 5,000. Those are the numbers. You're looking at well less than 20,000 people, at the very least, will be loud at, at games. The problem is the COVID numbers keep going up. The people that I trust that were absolutely bullish on having a season and told me that don't even worry about it, we're, we're fine, they're, they're giving a little wiggle room for the, the season either to be delayed or something to happen. They just The COVID numbers were not expected to keep going up like this, and there becomes a point where you have to wonder how safe it is. Now, obviously, we could look at Major League Baseball and the NBA and see how they're handling this, and their, their numbers have been up and too bad, but the NFL's keeping an eye on this. I just think that, you know, if we're being real here, no one could give you the right answer because nobody knows. No one knows. But I just tell you, just hearing people talk to me about it who are involved in this, they're not. They're just not as bullish on the season definitely happening this season as they once were a couple weeks ago. Interesting stuff, Adam Kaplan. Let's go to Dak Prescott. No long-term deal for Dak with the Cowboys. What's his long-term future look like in Dallas? Good. Uh, I think people are overreacting because it's the Cowboys. You know, it's, I guess his brother said something. None of that matters. They're not going <laughs> Dak Prescott is their quarterback. Yes, they have not been able to reach a deal. They've been they've been at loggerheads for six months. Neither team would move, neither side would move. Uh, it, the 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 Cowboys have said it's got to be five years, and obviously the, the guaranteed money would be a little different. Four versus five. Todd Francis, his agent, and Dak won four years. This is really the quarterback contracts now. Either four or five years. Russell Wilson's with four at thirty five million. That's that's the kind of deal that Dak wants. But, you know, it's hard now. It's hard now with, with what we're dealing with, of knowing what the salary cap's going to look like next year. How much money is the league going to lose or team's going to lose if we don't have if, – if we don't have fans at games, by the way. If we don't have fans at games, which is really a, a realistic possibility, that, that's a pretty good chunk of percentage of lost revenue. Teams, when, they, when they're down in cash, aren't so willing to give out fully guaranteed money at signing like they have been. Uh, I guess we'll leave with this. I mean, you saved the best and most bizarre for last here, this Washington Redskins story, which um, I guess is going to be coming out here, uh, some scandal. And uh, what do we know about people 
leaving the team. I mean, you're the play-by-play guy for 17 years. That's a great job. You don't, I mean, you don't just get up and walk away from that job. So why are so many people getting up and leaving this organization? Yeah, this is a weird, this is a very strong story here. Uh, first of all, we know the Washington Post is good. They're supposedly planning on reporting something here, some scandal. We don't know what it is, but let, let's stick to the facts. Just when, when this stuff came out on Monday, at least three local beat reporters said something's going to come out. It's very ugly for the organization. Out of the blue, without any explanation of what it could be, just three got, three beat reporters put it out there. Uh, and then we, we know the, uh, don't forget, before we get into this, to the full part of the story, let's not forget that other than the name change, which is coming, we know that they, they're called the Washington team now. They've gotten rid of the Redskins name. These minority owners want out. Why do they want out? Why do the three minority owners want out? That's that's bizarre. Now, here's the thing that I looked up when I saw this come out Monday. I'm like, I got to I got to look this up because this is bizarre. I, I could tell you anywhere from 40 to 50 people from their business side, including their president, their CEO, their CMO, their CCO, their VP of sales. Over the last two years, have either been fired or resigned. Then you mentioned Larry Michael, who was, who was not only their play-by-play voice, but he was their senior vice president in charge of content. Out of nowhere, he surprisingly retired this week. Now, let's, we don't know. If, I've, I've talked to Larry before, nice guy. I have no idea where I decided to resign just like this. That was odd. Now, Ron Rivera, Mike, who has personnel control. He's one of five head coaches who have personnel control. Ron, out of the blue, let two personnel guys go this week. This never happens in July. Like, it is rare for personnel people to lose their job in June. It's even more rare for personnel people to lose their jobs in July. And, by the way, the Redskins don't even have a general manager. They don't have a team president right now. They're, they're, they've gone through a lot of changes on their business side. Uh, they, they, their former CEO and their CMO and CCO were fired within seven months. That was two years ago. And the, the one, the CEO was brought, the COO was brought in from the NFL office. So there's one man who stands and he remains. That's the owner, Daniel Snyder. For how long? We will find out. He is lawyered up and uh, lawyered up pretty big time. Uh, Adam Kaplan, check out the Inside the Birds podcast. The latest version is dropped right now wherever you get podcasts or through insidethebirds.com. And of course, Adam, football at four, like all guests appeared via the Boardwalk Honda hotline. All right, Adam, enjoy the weekend, man. Guys, thank you. All right. He, uh, great job. Great information today. Jordan Football at 4, NFL Insider, Adam Kaplan. This Redskins thing is going to be um, just unbelievable. Yeah, I think it's going to be disturbing by the time we get all the uh, proper information. Keep our eyes on that story. If something breaks, we'll update you. Tomorrow, Andrew DeCecco is here. For football at four, I'm Mike Hill. That's Hunter Brody. It's the Sports Bash live on 97.3 ESPN. Don't forget, download the free mobile app. Football at four is brought to you by SHM Financial. Are you quickly approaching or in retirement? Don't get overwhelmed. Contact SHM Financial. Call 800-MONEY-SHM or visit online at shmfinancial.com. Coming up. Ask Mike and Broads is on the way. You guys send in your questions, 609-403-0973. Hit us up on the text board, 609-403-0973. Brett Brown speaking today. Have you uh, seen any of these quotations? Yeah, I like the one that uh, talks about a possible lineup. I've seen said lineup. I've also seen something about Ben Simmons that was an eyebrow raiser. 
Okay. Back with that. There's only one. All right, ask Mike and Broads. You guys send in your questions now. 609-403-0973. We have some good questions today. 609-403-0973. We always get good questions. I'm, I'm really amazed at the level of uh, good questions that we get. Absolutely. I agree with that. And we'll start with this. William asks, how can Eagles fans look at Carson Wentz and honestly think he isn't the guy moving forward? I have a hard time with people who are not uh, noticing what Wentz is and how good he is and just uh, how special of a player that, that, that they have with this guy. Like, I, I don't understand it. I know people like he's not perfect. He's not the best player in the game, but I mean, he's a young player who has, you know, essentially, I mean, he would have been an MVP in 2017. So you would have been talking about a guy who was the MVP of the league, and yet people would not be sure about him. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Right. I mean, the skill level, the pure skill level is so up there when it comes to this league that you can't just not notice that now. I will say, yes, you know what? There has been injuries. But that doesn't mean that he will be injured forever for the rest of his career. What, what, he has the skill level. Like, that's what blows my mind. The pure skill level is so high that how can you possibly think to move on from this guy? I don't get it. I, I really am, you know, look, we live in a society where door number two always... There's a game show that they'll show you what you can win, and it's a nice prize, but you're always hoping that door number two or three has something better. It's like, hey, here's a bag of free money, and the guy says, you know what? It's too heavy. And that's Wentz. Is, here's a bag of free money, and you're like, ah, it's too heavy. Maybe I can find a lighter bag. Right, but here's the thing. if Let's use deal or no deal as the example, and you see your... The one that's up there, the last briefcase, not yours, but you know, the last... Todd Rank was on that show? No way. Yeah. You got to be kidding me. Yeah. yeah, he was on that show. He won like uh, 200 grand. For real? Yeah. We never had that conversation on the air with him. I have many times. Oh, well, I'm going to bring it up the next time he's on. He'll be on today at 530. Oh, he's coming on today. Yeah, I'm not here tomorrow. Oh, well, I knew that, but I'm looking at the board here, and it looked like you didn't write it down properly. Uh, well, it was actually Josh's idea. So well, he I'd... said, why don't you have Todd on today since you won't be here tomorrow? And I texted Todd, and he said, right, I do that. Okay. Well, imagine having... He was on Deal or No Deal, Fear Factor, Wheel of Fortune. What? What does this guy do? Game show Todd. I love this. I just view him differently now. Yeah, he, he won like... Uh... He boozes, he drinks fast, or he eats fast food, he uses Tinder, he's on all these game shows. I mean, what doesn't he do? He doesn't gamble very well. He well, loses he, a lot of money. But he gambles. Yes, okay. but not very well. Well, it doesn't matter. He just has a good time. He gambles. Yeah, 5.30. All Happy right. hour Friday on Thursday. Okay, we're going to have to have a conversation about the game shows. But getting back to the Carson Wentz thing, I do like the door number one, door number two comparison. But with Carson Wentz, it's like what they're showing you is so high. If they show you five hundred grand, you take the five hundred grand. There's only one better option or two better options out there. You take the 500 grand. Yeah, I mean, we live in, again, a society that we always want something better. Like, our toy is not the new shiny toy anymore. In 2017, before he got hurt, it was the best toy you could get. He was going to be the MVP of the league. So if you had a guy who was the MVP of the league, you're telling me that you would be 
critical to say that he's not that good? I think it's fair to criticize him at times. Sure. But, but to say get rid of him is just Look, on another level. criticize the best player in the league isn't 100% perfect. They make mistakes. People make mistakes. People do things wrong. Tom Brady lost to the Tennessee, or who did they lose to at home? The Miami Dolphins. It was the Miami Dolphins at home to get that first round bye. He's the greatest to ever do it. There you go. I mean, things happen. Like, look, I have these conversations with people all the time about a variety of topics. I'm like, hey, you know, not there's no human being that makes 100% the right decision. You're allowed to be critical of people that you support. Like, you're allowed to say, hey, I support Carson Wentz, but he made mistakes and he doesn't throw the ball perfectly all the time. You're allowed to say, I like this player, but on this day, he made some bad plays. And it's like people can't have that, like, you know, middle ground sometimes. It's like you're either I like this guy or I don't like this guy, or he stinks and he's horrible and he never makes good plays, or he's horrible, uh, I don't get, or he's great and he never makes bad plays. I, I, I don't get this, like, that you can't, like, people are like, well, you flip-flop. No, I flip-flop because some games he plays really good and maybe the next game he didn't play so good. I'm giving you my opinion based on what I saw on that day. I hate how the goalposts always move with Carson. Remember there was a big debate about how he can't make players rise up. He can't make the wide receivers uh, play better. That's what great quarterbacks do. Aaron Rodgers does it all the time. John Brady does it all the time. And then he did what he did last year. He literally made Greg Ward a name. He literally won all those games with these Rob Davises of the world. He did exactly what people said he couldn't do, yeah. and then it doesn't get recognized. Look, I have no problem with the guy. I feel like, and I've said this uh, since really they got him after that first year, was they found a quarterback to where you can't envision a season going off the grid. Like, I don't see a 5-11 and team because he simply is too good and won't let them be that type of team. They will, okay, yeah, they might be 9-7. and seven, But 9-7, and 8-8, eight and eight, that's about the depths of your of the low that you're going to get when this guy's your quarterback. Absolutely, and a lot is factored into that 9-7, and seven, right? The injuries, although I am right, very I'm critical saying, like, of the 9-7. If you're saying that 9-7 and seven isn't a good year, it's because that guy is so good that a team that shouldn't be 9-7 and seven makes it to 9-7 and seven because he's so good. Great point. I am very critical of the 9-7 and seven Doug Peterson season, but with Carson Wentz, think about it. I am critical of a 9-7 and seven season. I am upset that we are 9-7 and seven because he's so good. It's kind of like how I just said, you're mad at Ben Simmons because he's not LeBron James. Well, think about the fact that you're even having this conversation that Ben Simmons and LeBron James are in the same category. That's kind of similar to this. I, I'm upset that we're 9-7. and seven. I'm upset that it's possibly 10-6 and six with a guy like Wentz. That's right, because I know his skill level is so high. You know every Sunday you have a chance to win with him taking snaps. I feel every every Sunday for the most part. Right, if they go into New Orleans and they're playing the Saints and the Saints are on a four-game win streak and the Eagles are coming off of maybe two losses or something, I might go, yeah, it's going to be a tough game. But I'm, I still think that they're going to be competitive. Yeah. I still think that they can compete. Yeah, I agree. All right, we'll go to another Eagles question. Eagles fan 91. How important is keeping a leader in the locker room like Jason Peters after losing someone like Malcolm Jenkins? I thought I brought this up yesterday. I thought it was one of the big things about getting him back was that it gave them a guy that can kind of be a locker room stabilizer. Now, when I saw this question, in my head, I kind of went around to some other leaders. Like, there are a lot of 
of good leaders on this team. I'm not saying that devalues Jason Peters coming back, but let's talk about like Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Carson Wentz, uh, uh, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. That's a good amount. Would you say Darius Slay will be a leader this year? Um, I've heard that he's a leader. I don't know that, but I mean, I've heard from people in Detroit. We had um, Michael Rothstein on the show. He told us that, yes, that's uh, something that he was known for in Detroit, being a locker room guy. What about Deshaun Jackson? Because he does have a veteran presence, but it's not the same No, your guys are level. Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Jason Peters. You got those three guys still. Uh, Ertz, another guy that uh, I don't think we give enough credit to. Uh, Carson Wentz, you know, you do have him now going into his fourth year. I think Slay will be one. Uh, Fletcher Cox will be another one. Um, who am I forgetting here? Uh, well, we oh, took Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham, yes. Do you think that Miles Sanders could ever be a leader on this team? Don't know enough about him in that role. Well, I was thinking... Didn't hear it, anything about him in that front last right. year. In terms of the running back position, maybe it's because the careers are shorter due to that position, but the only person I can really think of in terms of like a legit leader like that, Adrian Peterson, because of his longevity. I mean, in this era. Yeah, in this yeah. era. Yeah, of course. Like, Zeke. Is he a locker room I don't know, leader? Like Travis Henry. Derek. Uh, Travis Henry. Derek, are you talking about... Derek Henry. Yeah, Jeez. Tennessee. Derek yeah. Henry. They just signed. He just signed, yeah. by the way. I don't know. I don't know if he's like a leader, leader, but I'm sure he has some sort of vocal in there. I'm just curious about the position. You know, you don't hear about these running backs being true leaders. Barkley is he a leader in that locker room? Zeke yeah. is he a leader? Just interesting. But no, looking at Jason Peters, I do think that um, it's big. I got this question earlier in lieu of your guys' conversation about free agents. Uh, who are going to be the next available NBA free agents? I got the list here. It's not very pretty. Well, I did know that last year was one of the biggest that were going to come up, and then it started to die out from there. So well, I'm curious. I don't you know. Got Anthony Davis, my head. who's most likely going to go back to sure. right. Um, then you have Mike Conley. I'm intrigued by him. I, the reason why I would never think about him before is because of the current contract that he's on. But because he'd be a UFA, maybe that changes conversation. Thirty-two next summer, or this summer, I guess, coming up. Uh, Andre Drummond, no interest. Gordon Hayward. He's disappointing in Boston. Yeah, that injury was pretty gruesome. Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, Eric Gordon. Actually, no, Gordon signed an extension. Uh, DeMar DeRozan. Interesting player. Serge Ibaka. The problem is, with Al Horford's contract, uh, how do you pick up another big man yeah. like that? Otto Porter, Montel, uh, Harrell. So it's not a great list of uh, they're the top ten. Wow, that is a pretty disappointing list. Yeah, you see, were excited? I excited? No, I think I'm just curious what they do in general. I mean, so much depends on what happens. But this Al Horford contract, can they get out of it? Do they want to get out of it? If they find a way for it to work with this new point forward system and new rotations. Speaking of new rotations, that tweet that I saw from Brett Brown speaking just moments ago, intriguing. Yeah, what'd you think about it? Well, there was a couple of the tweets that I thought were interesting. Brett Brown said, Ben Simmons has shot more threes in practice in Orlando than he did in half a season. Wow. wow. That was one that stood out to me. The exact quote was this. He shot more threes in practice the last few days than he might have in almost half a season. He looks good. He feels good. And I know he's getting tremendous encouragement from his teammates. 
That's huge. And by the way, this rotation, it has Ben Simmons as the point guard once again. So just to kind of throw out there that I get that this is a big conversation moving him to the point forward, but he's still going to be running the offense at times. Ben Simmons, Matisse Thibel, Furkan Korkmaz, Tobias Harris, and Al Horford will be a lineup that will definitely be a part of the rotation. Hmm. So you got Thibel in there. You got Ben Simmons running the point guard. Al Horford as your center, and Cork Moss and Tobias as your forward. I don't see that much out there, though, because that means Embiid's off the court. Well, this would be that 10 minutes. Yeah, you're, I was to say, you're looking at 10 minutes. But that 10 minutes in a playoff game is, especially because last year we saw what happens once Embiid hit the, hit the bench, that lineup, I think, should be able to hold its own for 10 minutes of no Embiid. You know, like, that's what I'm looking well, at. Well, Horford being in the own? center, when Embiid goes out, gives you a lot more than what you had in the past. Absolutely. You had nothing. But, but he hasn't been playing that well to this point. Is this the new shift, the new mentality, that refresh button? Was that hit enough for Al Horford to be able to do that? Now, Brown said the chemistry between Simmons and Embiid has grown since Simmons has moved to power forward. I mean, how? I'm so intrigued by how he's going to be playing the four. Is he, he going to be camped out in the corner? Let me tell you, I stress this again. This Sixers team needed this break more than any team in basketball. It was painful going through that regular season. It was. It was painful. The regular season this year was painful. This is the best thing that has happened to them. It get the, it gave Brown, he looked like, get me out of here, right? Brown looked like he was ready to say, I don't care if you fire me. Just get me out of here because these people are just morons. I just want to get away from them. He got a chance to hit the refresh button, and it's like he's come back with like a new deck of cards. Like, here you go. I'm going to start dealing things out, you fools that, you know, think... Boom. And and it's like, let's, let's try this. I got to think about this. Boom. I got to evaluate this. I got to do this. I watched this tip. Boom. Like, it, it, it's it's very refreshing. Absolutely. This new season feels like such a refresh. I agree. And I think this team needed a spark. And that's Brett Brown's job. One of his limited things that he does as we sit here and we talk about how the NBA coach is, has very limited input on a team. One of that is creating that spark. And I think... This is just that. You can feel and sense a vibe around this team when they're speaking to the media via Zoom, when you're watching them play in all these videos. Like, there is a different vibe surrounding the team, and I think it is because of the shakeup, and y you got to credit Brown. Let's just see how it plays out on the court. That's the big thing. Agree. I'm intrigued, though, man, with this, with this Ben Simmons thing, how he's going to be utilized in that four spot. It's pretty crazy. Now, we do have a question and it goes back to what we kind of started the show with, with Vinny V and Nick Pavetta. And Troy asks, is Nick Pavetta's ceiling higher than Vince Velasquez's ceiling? Is who? Nick Pavetta. Oh, is Nick? No, Velasquez. I don't I, I don't put them in the same conversation. Vel Which is interesting because I, I feel like most Phillies fans think that Nick Pavetta has a little bit more to him than because Vinny V. Because he had that hype before the season. Like, oh, he might be a dark horse Cy Young guy. Oh, no. my. Who said that? Who said that? Remember, Did someone say that? that? Oh, Lord. Didn't somebody say that last year? I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised I'm with everything sure. we hear today. But I'm pretty sure that that was something like before last season. Like he was like a dark horse, uh, you know, mention. And that's I just, why people were so mad. I just couldn't imagine waking up one morning and going to type something and the words that come out of my fingertips when hitting the keyboard is Nick Pavetta yeah, and Cy MLB. Young. Yeah, MLB.com. Sleeper MLB Cy Young candidates for 2019. I am baffled right now that somebody's fingertips actually typed that out. How could you ever? How could you ever? Even if 
he had a great season. It doesn't sniff Cy Young. So I guess Here's the answer one. is question. The answer is clearly Nick Pavetta, Here's right? One. Why Nick Pavetta has a legit chance to be MLB's most improved pitcher of 2019. Well, doesn't that say that the ceiling, if he can play to his ceiling, which apparently is Cy Young level, then it's Nick Pavetta's your answer. No, but I think because Velazquez had been here since 2015, and in 16 and 17 and 18, you kind of saw that, all right, uh, this guy's got a great arm, he's got electric stuff, but we now we know that he is what he is. Like this electric arm and stuff, uh, it's just not there up here. Right. I like Vinny V more than Nick Pavetta, no doubt. I just um I just I think in terms of skill set that Nick Pavetta has more in him. He just can't find a way to get it out. But I think Vinny V can put it more together in general mm-hmm. of the two. All right, good addition. Sports Bash, ask Mike and Broads. You guys can get your uh, questions in for the next edition. Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. I'm Mike Gill. That's Hunter Brody. In the 5 o'clock hour, Todd Rank will join us for Happy Hour Friday on a Thursday. And then you can ask him all those questions. I will. That's coming up. The Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Oh, this creep who was uh, videotaping Rachel Nichols. You see this? In the bubble? Yeah, that's weird. What is wrong with people? There's a lot of things wrong with people. We've kind of been breaking that down over the last couple days. I mean, uh, some creep, if you're just kind of like, wait, what are you talking about here? So, <laughs> some creep um, recorded Rachel Nichols in her hotel room and sent the videos to Deadspin trying to make her... Kind of look like a, a some sort of backstabber or something. I don't know. Now, can he get in trouble for recording someone like that? Sure, yeah. yeah you're not allowed I'm, to do that. That's what I'm saying. That was like the whole uh, Aaron uh, Andrews thing. Remember somebody videotaped her through the peephole? That is correct. I do remember that. No, I don't think this was similar to that. I think they were... The video was taken from the video feed Nichols had been using to broadcast the jump. In her room, I guess. She's quarantined, waiting for the NBA season to resume. And someone recorded a video of ESPN's Rachel Nichols from inside her hotel room at Walt Disney. And then they sent the clip to Deadspin. Now, I'm surprised that they can't find these computer hackers or whatever, find out who or what computer it went from to get sent to Deadspin to them that maybe they can catch who exactly this was. You know, like you can figure out all that stuff if you know how to dive into the technology side of things. Right. I, I mean, look, yeah, I'm imagining there's somebody out there that has the capability of doing that. That's probably how this happened to begin with. Yeah, you're right. The somebody got into did her, it. Yeah, exactly. And then apparently the video is like a half hour long, and it's suggesting that she is either a backstabber or a phony ally. Well, that's just ridiculous. Sources tell Deadspin that the full video is 30 minutes. The site chose not to publish the videos because they are manipulated and out of concern for her privacy, they decided not to do it. She must have been saying some pretty ruthless stuff, no? Yes. Like some pretty bad stuff if they're concerned with not spreading it. No, it says, quote, rather than alerting Rachel Nichols that her video stream was still live or simply shutting the feed off on ESPN's end, according to sources, an unidentified ESPN employee began to record the video feed on a phone, cut it up, and disseminated it to others in the company. Whoa. This could get ugly, right? We got this. We got the red, the Washington football team. We got a lot going on today. Yeah, I mean, this could get ugly. I, I just, mean, what if it comes out with what she said? 
She was clearly saying some disgusting things towards people. Disgusting or just like the rude? Maybe she very didn't have rude. her back or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very rude. When I say disgusting, I mean uh, like you know, brutal things about people in the same organization as her.